Ladies and gentlemen, this is This is The Real Mission Impossible Show With your host, Lucien Jay Are you ready? We search the globe for the most amazing people who have overcome incredible obstacles Demonstrated amazing resilience, done the impossible I said, are you ready? Join, Join the Real Coach and Jay on the Real Mission Impossible show. Meeting legends from Dubai, South Africa, Nairobi, New York, London, wherever they are to make it possible for the Real I Impossible with Coach MJ. The Real Mission I Impossible show starts in... Let's count down together! 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Boom! Hi, this is Coach MJ. Welcome to Mission I Impossible. Today, we have an incredible guest. I'm going to have him explain his story to you in just a moment. Tons of media about this gentleman. He is, for me, the hero dad of the century. Bring in Nick Watson from Team Angel Wolf. Joining us from Dubai today. Nick, how are you, sir? I'm absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for inviting us. Well, you know, it's been our pleasure. We've been following you in the media. Uh, As I said, you're getting tons of it. And that's simply the processionary effect of all the momentum that you've been building over the years. Event after event, after event with Rio. And I got kind of nervous yesterday because I wasn't sure. I had seen an incredible event. You were doing the world's largest indoor ski resort in Dubai. Tell us about that. Yeah, look, well, quickly, Dubai does have an amazing indoor um, ski facility. It's called Ski Dubai. They ran probably the first event for Dubai at the moment, because obviously after COVID, after lockdown, there's been no events, no activities. And Dubai Sports Council basically head up all the operations and head up most of the events here, did their first event. So they did it in a nice way. So they had 300 competitors in three different starting waves. The idea was to then start each group of competitors uh, five by every couple of minutes. And so, yeah, we joined in. So basically we ran around the ski slope. It was a 3K run. Uh, The first, basically the first 800 meters was literally up this kind of red, red incline, if you like, red slope. Yeah, I did that with Rio on my back. So that was yesterday. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a tough, tough call, bit of a tough race. Did you see that the snow irritate him or did he seem to enjoy it? What was his reaction? Well, look, I'll be totally honest with you. We've, because of lockdown, our whole, kind of everything we've done over the last few years has been about racing. So Rio's not been able to race and um, to get him on my back and, you know, and obviously go out and do something. But just to let you understand Rio, Rio's 17 now. He has a very, very rare condition and he's basically got a part of a chromosome missing. So it's called 1Q44 deletion. And it leads to lots of difficulties, including speech, um, including seizures, he's still in nappies, lots of skills are quite challenging for him, even walking, um, even picking up a pen, writing and all these things. So he definitely has his challenges. So to kind of get him racing, you know, this is what he loves. So again, there's lots of stimulation. So we woke him up yesterday morning, six o'clock, going down to a race. Now you can imagine in Dubai, outside it's 40 degrees. I'm taking him to ski Dubai, which is like minus four. And in the morning, he lives in shorts and T-shirts all of a sudden. And this was the first race of the season in Dubai. If you understand the season here, because of the weather, our racing season starts at the end of August, goes through to probably May time because of the weather. So this was the first race. So you can imagine we're getting Rio up in the morning. The night before and the couple of days before we're telling Rio he, we're going to race. So for the last couple of days, he's been going, Dada, race. 
So he's getting excited, but he probably doesn't understand what that race means 100%. So we'll wake him up in the morning. We get him down for breakfast, six o'clock in the morning. Now, normally, you know, when we race, he's in shorts and T-shirt. It's that morning we're putting on like three sets of thermals, big boots, uh, waterproofs, big jacket. And then we're taking him in the car. And he's probably thinking, Dad, where are you taking me now today? So we get down to Ski Dubai. When it's our time to go, we prepare him, get him up on my back. Now, we'll explain a little bit later. We've been doing some stair climbs recently. Um, so he's quite comfortable being up on my back, but obviously he's got lots of layers of clothes. Dad's got loads of layers of clothes. And then we go off and start this race. So, yeah, it was, a, it was interesting. And tell you the truth, he loves it. He, you know, he's so stimulated by what's happening, even relevant to the minus four. Uh, there's other competitors running by and people know us here in Dubai, so they're shouting his name. So every time someone shouts Rio, he shouts Rio, he gets excited. The atmosphere here is just absolutely epic every time we race. And even when we finish, this boy has just been totally stimulated. So we're going around the shopping mall where the ski resort is, uh, the ski slope is, and he's singing and just completely happy and ecstatic that he's been out racing. So... Yeah, it was good. It was good to be back. Well, could you just help some of the audience here understand how long you've been doing this? What first inspired you to do things like put Rio on your back on a on a swim or pull him on a kayak or here one of the pictures here in the thing where you have a a chariot that you pull in behind your bike. Give us a little bit of a background there, please. Well, look, I have to admit, it probably started in about 2013. We were, I had a, personally had a bit of a health scare. Wasn't feeling very well. Obviously went to see the doctor. The doctor says, you don't look very well. I was like, thank you very much. That's probably why I'm here to see you. So once we kind of gone through that, we started to realize that I was pale, probably was bleeding from somewhere. So they started to investigate, they started to do a series of tests and they found in my colon and after about a few weeks that I had a big lump. And if that lump stayed there, I probably would not be here today. So it was a bit, bit one of those moments in life where you go, okay, I need to make some changes. So they obviously operated. I woke up in hospital and my wife was there. And the first couple of words that I said to her was, I want to do an Ironman and she's like what I want to go back and do triathlon an Ironman because that was the sport that you know I was competing up to a certain level she was like right okay so then I kind of once we kind of got through getting back to moving obviously then back to swimming biking running I decided to do a race and we were this was probably the April time so we decided to do Barcelona Ironman. And so we'd signed up, started to train. And like everything, for those that race for an Ironman, you've got to put at least 20, 25 hours a week in for training, of which we were doing and everything was going really well. But then, you know, life just got in the way. We'd just opened up a new business and um, that wasn't going so well. So the time to training wasn't brilliant. And then one day we woke up and my wife turned around and said, have you ever thought about racing with Rio? And I was like, wow, typical male, how am I going to do that? I'm going to need some equipment. I need a kayak. I'm going to have to pull him. I need a bike. And obviously I need a running chair. And for those, those looking from the US, uh, Team Hoyt, Rick and Dick Hoyt, were our inspiration from the 80s. These guys doing the Ironman and him racing with his son. And I was like, wow, look, if he can do this, maybe, maybe there's a possibility of me racing with Rio. And Rio was probably about 12 at the time. And because we were racing for an Ironman, I was like thinking okay, I need to do something long. I don't want to do a small triathlon. And the longest triathlon they had here in Dubai was a, a middle distance, uh, what they call 70.3. So 1.9 swim, 
90k bike, 21k run, and you know we set out and did our first race. So literally, we got the equipment a couple of weeks before, and um, so I got the kayak. So I swim. I'm attached to the kayak. We got a special bike, and um, slightly different to this format in the photo, uh, where Rio sat on the front of a bike. It's what they call a cargo bike, which is quite nice because it's a lot more interactive. Because Rio sits in front of me, and then obviously we had a running chair, and we ran into the end, and. You know, we kind of got across the finish line and realized not only how happy Rio was, but what an impact it was having on the community. People were just like, wow, this is awesome. You know, you're including your son in something that you love. And that's that's kind of how we started. But, you know, the story is really simple. It was the second race that I realized that Rio loves what he does. And we'd signed up for another half Ironman. It was under another brand, not Ironman, but Challenge, a fantastic race, and it was called Challenge Dubai. And uh, 1.9 swim, 90K bike, 21K run, and we get down to the beach, we get down to the start of the run, and I'll be totally honest with you, the weather conditions were horrendous. They were looking at cancelling, even cancelling the swim, but last minute they decide to, rather than doing one big loop, they, they did it into two, maybe three loops of the swim. So we kept a little bit more within the shoreline, but big heavy waves. The organizer actually asked me, he said, Nick, I don't think you should swim. I'm, ex, I'm ex-military, so I'm ex-Royal Marines. So I'm, I'm fairly stubborn. So I was like, no, we're going to swim. We'll find a way. Um, I did actually ask a friend to follow me on the stand-up paddle board. I did find out later when I got back to shore, when we finished the race, he never got past the waves. And so I thanked him, you know, profusely for, for years to come that he never actually did follow me. And, but then we, you know, we get around the swim, we get on the bike. And the bike, just to give you some statistics, Rhea at the time was probably about 30, 35 kilos. My bike's about 30, 35 kilos. You know, I push about 60, 70 kilos when we're cycling. When we're out and it's windy, it's hard work. It's really, really tough. And Rio's not the most aerodynamic boy as well. You know, he sits on the front of the chair, his legs are open. Um, so it does make life fairly tough for us. And we got to this moment and I'll never forget it. We got to 60 kilometers, so we had 30 left. I was absolutely spent. I was really struggling. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make this. But then what starts to reflect is why you're doing this. And most importantly, how is Rio? Rio, okay, this is our second race. He was 12, so a little boy. He's on the front of my bike and we've been in a sandstorm for the last two hours. I'm like thinking, look, if Rio wants to stop, that was always my, our rules with my wife as well. If Rio's not happy, we stop. Bum, dum, yeah, fantastic. We've done one race, we've got the medal, got the t-shirt. And literally at 60K, Rio turns around, if you can imagine. So I'm on the tri bars, Rio sat in front of me and his head turns around. He just says the words that just changed me for life and I, made me realize what I do. And he just turned around, looked at me and just says, Dada, I love you. And that was it. I, I was in bits. I was, I was in tears. I was like, oh my God, he, he genuinely loves this. And I'll be honest with you. It was the easiest 30 kilometers I've done all my life. I was like, my son loves this. He loves this inclusion of being a father and a son. He also loves this stimulation of being on this kayak and on this bike and on this pushchair. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is, this is awesome. I'm doing a sport that I love and he's a part of, he's a part of this. Um, and we crossed the finish line. And since then we've done 250 races. 
and we've covered about 8,000 kilometers of swimming, biking, and running. And we did calculate the other day, which was quite interesting. We we're like, swam, biked, and run the equivalent distance from Dubai to Tokyo in the last five years. And I'm like, yeah, good on him. Um, but just, just to explain as well, I'm not just a part of that story. My daughter, Tia, she's 13. She also races with Rio, and she did her first race when she was like 10. She got a world record when she was 12. So she did a sprint triathlon, 750 swim, same, pulling to Rio. Uh, cycling, exactly the same format. So cycling, pulling his chair, and then running afterwards. So it's not just about me. It's about a family unit trying to make a difference. Exceptional. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> speechless listening to this. It's incredible. And and here's the thing. This is not, like you said, this is not like a one event. Did the event, got the medal. I love that. Got the t-shirt. This is a passion that continues event after event. And you live this with your wife and your family 24-7 with Rio. Yeah, look, totally. Become what we do. So just to explain, we realized very quickly when we started to racing what impact it was having on the community. And we thought, look, how do we do this full time? We'd just gone for a roller coaster ourselves with um, financially. So we just lost our second company here in Dubai. It completely bankrupt us. We had absolutely nothing. Um, but we kind of, you know, it's one of those moments where you kind of go, wow, look, the monetary element wasn't an it. Well, it is an issue, but it wasn't an issue. But you kind of go, what can we do? And it was one of those moments when we set up Team Angel Wolf as a nonprofit organization, when you kind of go, how can we really make a difference in this world? And we realized all of a sudden what an impact we were having on not, not only our own family, by the community and, and also as a father you start to realize what's most important in life and i think people going through covid at the moment when you lose everything and you're at home you're with the family we realized that like in 2000 when we set up 2016 we're like family for me was the most important the relevant the company the whatever uh, that was totally not important to us but my son being happy and um, our family gelling together because it's very stressful to be honest with you having a child with disabilities <laughs> you know the the divorce rate just to let you know is about 80 percent it pulls families apart and this was the opposite this was bringing us together so we just kind of realized look what's really most important and for me as a father kids being happy your children happy wife's happy everyone that's all that matters and everything else is completely irrelevant and it was a big wake-up call and we were like wow what could we do hence we set ourselves up as a non-profit and um yeah this is now what we do full-time so racing as you mentioned is has become a part of our livelihood this is what we do as much as we possibly can and we're kind of a, an interesting year obviously since covid and now we're looking at how to grow and how to grow internationally as well. Are you by, by any chance linking up with some of the international sports organizations like Special Olympics or any any similar organizations? Well, it's, it's great you actually asked that because Special Olympics was here in Abu Dhabi last year. We were very, very fortunate when we heard the new great news that obviously Special Olympics was coming to Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi hosted it. But actually, actually at the end, the whole of the UAE, United Arab Emirates got involved. So the Special Olympics has a huge, had a huge presence here last year did an absolutely amazing event. But like I said, we would love to be more involved. Uh, we're trying our utmost to get involved with more organizations to tell our story. But uh, yeah, to answer the question, last year for 100%, we actually were an ambassador for the Special Olympics. Um, but going forward, we would love to be doing a lot more um, with global organizations. And tell us, in, in Dubai, uh, with a child that is differently abled than other children, 
How is that looked upon by the public? Look, I have to imagine, uh, we've been in the UAE for 22 years, so our children were both born here. I have to admit, there's been radical change over the years. Initially, I would say it was definitely challenging. It was challenging for anyone anyway, but I think it was more about awareness and the perception. And, you know, those things have cha- are changing. The, you know, it's still got a long way to go. But I think like anywhere where we live, there'll be always places and areas that the world of disabilities can be tweaked and always improved. I don't think that's ever going to be stopped. But the great thing about Dubai and the UAE is when they want change, it happens. And that's, that's happening, you know. So for Abu Dhabi to host the Special Olympics last year, that's a massive message here. Um, not only to the United Arab Emirates, but also to the region about people with disabilities or a lovely term they have here, people with determination. So look, there's been great change and there's continual change. Um, But like anywhere, it's a road, it's a journey and it's always improving. And like I said, we're also wanting to be a part of that journey here in the UAE. And how do sponsors in the UAE, how do they get in touch with you and how do how does this whole model work? Look, it's, I have to admit, it is so challenging, especially at the moment. So as a non-profit organization here, we're not allowed to do any fundraising. We're not allowed to receive any donations. I think really potentially why that is, is over the years, as I said, we've been here a long time. The system, unfortunately, has been abused by a lot of people. Uh, people have done fundraising and they've disappeared with the money. There's a there's only a certain amount of charities that are based here that can do any fundraising. So we are challenged as a non-profit. So we have to go to corporates. We have to go to companies to sponsor us as an organization. And in return, obviously, there's branding exposure, um, obviously, on our clothing, on our equipment, on all our social media. And there's lots of other activities that we do on a, on a corporate level. So... Yeah, that's kind of the way in which we work, but we are trying to move into a model. We're just trying to get our right permissions to have membership. Anyone around the world could join the Wolfpack. We're just setting all that concept up and it would mean in return, you'll get certain elements. There might be some merchandise, etc. But most importantly, you're kind of contributing also to helping, obviously, us as an organization. So we want to make sure when anything that we do here, we do it by the book and we make sure that we tick all the right boxes. So we're kind of in that position at the moment um, where, to- I'll be honest, totally, sh- we're actually struggling to find sponsors. Just we know people are losing their jobs in organizations at the moment and marketing budgets, CSR budgets, you know, they're all being cut and we comprehend that entirely. And we are also saying to organizations, we are a story of of motivation, of inspiration. So we are trying to tie up with organizations to say, look, this may be a good time also to be putting a positive story to the team that are still remaining. We all need to look after everyone at the end of the day. And again, when we're talking about inclusion, all the other activities we do, we want corporates to get involved. So, yeah, it it is tough. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but it is what it is. And, you know, like anything in life, you just got to keep going at it and uh, giving it your best shot. As you have, and I'm sure you will continue to do. Nick, tell me this, you know, our, uh, our show, Mission on Possible, is really about mindset. It's about people overcoming adversity. It's about all these incredible things that life can throw at us that people have overcome. And certainly you're an example of that. But can you, can you give us a, a moment maybe that you had that you were just, oh, please... Or you maybe just thought, how can I throw in the towel? How is enough enough? How can I continue to go on? You must have had the devil on your shoulder. 
Look, I wouldn't say on a physical side with what we do, I've ever ever reached that moment. Like I said, I'm fairly stubborn. I love what I do. So, you know, I, I think physically um, we can all push ourselves to a limit. But I think if the mindset's there in the first place, you know, there's not much that can stop you. I have to admit, even yesterday, walking up a ski slope with 45 kilos on your back, uh, that's, that's quite a challenge. And, you, you know, you've gone from 40 degrees about five minutes ago to minus five. You know, you're trying to, most people try and acclimatize to stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you're up a slope. Uh, so there are those moments where you're going, this isn't fun. <laughs> this isn't fun. I think I'd be, I would prefer to be at home having breakfast. But then you, it takes one second of hearing Rio laugh, giggle and be stimulated on your back. And you're like, Nah, I prefer to be here. And look, I think there's many moments in the roller coaster of where we've been. And sometimes that is maybe just financial security. Having a, a child with disabilities is a challenge because an outcome for mum and dad, and it's our biggest worry uh, with Rio, is what happens to Rio once we're not here. Mum has sleepless nights over that. So I think with what we do, we're always striving to make sure that he and obviously my daughter have that security. And we've had huge financial challenges. Like I said, we've lost two companies since we've been here. It's bankrupted us twice. I always remember actually, just to jump in there, was um, great entrepreneurs of the world. They always say you have to be bankrupt three times before you're successful. So (laughs) hopefully we'll be successful this time. So things always get thrown up at us, but I think it's how, what we do with it. It's not gonna break us. You just gotta keep getting off your knees again and get standing back up and looking at adversity and just kind of getting on with it. So yeah, look, I would say there's lots of moments, you know, there's moments on a regular basis where you kind of go, and still today, the electricity might get cut off tomorrow, but sometimes you've got to think about others. Everyone in the world is struggling at the same time. Look at what's happened recently in Lebanon, people losing their homes. Uh, looking at anywhere in the world, you know, people struggle on a daily basis. So you kind of go, well, I'm not too bad off here. I've got a roof over my head. We've got a week's worth of food. We'll figure something out. So um, one huge lesson that I think I've learned over the years is from my son. Rio, Rio lives for the moment. Rio, obviously, during, and we're not certain because obviously the communication there, the lack of communication, but Rio doesn't live in the past nor what's happening in the future. And Rio lives and enjoys and laughs and giggles in the moment. I'm sure he does not care what happened yesterday. He's probably forgotten about the ski run yesterday. He's out for a walk now outside. He'll be enjoying the moment, being out with the dog and the birds and outside. He enjoys that moment and he's probably not worried. What's he going to be worried about tomorrow? So it's a huge life lesson for us as a family. So sometimes we just kind of go, be like Rio. And we're like, yeah, let's let's not worry about tomorrow because we can all worry. We can always kind of be what may happen, but they're just assumptions at the end of the day. Can we worry about the past? No, we can't because that's already happened. So I think it's a huge lesson. So sometimes when we're, you're not struggling for whatever reason, we're going to go, Rio's all right, we're all right, we'll get on, we'll figure out tomorrow when we get there. <laughs> awesome. How can people get in touch with you, Nick? Well, look, simple, all through our social media. So Team Major Wolf, you know, you will find us obviously on Facebook, Instagram, hey, TikTok now. Obviously all the social media channels, we're out there. If anyone wants to email us, Really simple, nick at teamangelwolf.com. You know, I'll personally respond. So yeah, look, we always, we need support. There's no doubt about it. And again, our goal at the moment is to grow internationally. And hopefully one day we might be in the US. Well, I can't see anything stopping you based on what you've been doing. Your track record, your tenacity, uh, your determination. 
and your love for your family. Amazing. What drivers. They say that if you have a big enough why, you can do anything. I think you've actually been the definition of that today. It's been an honor. Nick Watson, Team Angel Wolf. Ladies and gentlemen, reach out to them. They need your support. They deserve your recognition. I think this should be a global, global move. Thank you so much, Nick Watson. Best of all to your family. Best regards to your family. And uh, Rio. All right. Team Angel Wolf. Take care, buddy. Take care, man. Thank you for joining The Real Mission. We welcome you to explore the next Real Mission on Possible with Coach MJ. Meet ordinary people who have achieved the extraordinary. Like, share, and comment to inspire others today.